We need the Lord, don't we? We need the Lord Jesus. Just say, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Christ, speak to us today. Bring glory to your name today. Help us hear your voice today. Your voice matters above the culture, above our own insecurities, above uh, our own fears, and especially the voice of the enemy. We want to hear your voice to love you and obey you. Help us here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, welcome. I'm Scott. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm excited about today's message. You can be seated. Today we're finishing a series called The Voice, Hearing God's Voice. And what we're, what we're really focusing on today is the one thing everyone must have, but few people know how to get, discernment. Discernment, especially when it relates to hearing God's voice that may require a big move or, or a big change. In fact, in the text we're going to be studying today, really one gated community opens itself to another gated community. It's really what is needed in our, in our community, in our whole culture. One gated community opening itself up to another gated community. That's what happens in today's narrative that we're going to look at. Before we get there, I want to tell you next month we're doing a serial change or last Sunday called The Seven Words of Jesus. Seven words that'll change your life. Next month, we celebrate 14 years of being an established church in Natomas. I am so happy about it. 14 years might not be a big deal to you. It is to me. 14 years, was it's been a long journey. God has been generous to us. I give him all the praise. He gets all the credit. And, it, and we got here because, honestly, we have a lot of adventurers who share these kind of marks. Their pe- adventurers pray constantly. We have a lot of adventurers that pray constantly. We'll tell you, adventurers who serve passionately. It, it, it's remarkable the kind of service we have around here. I'll tell you about some of them later. Um, we have adventurers who love unconditionally here. Somebody wrote me this week and said, hey, this is, can I come to church? And I'm like, hey, we have a policy. No perfect people allowed. You're welcome. We, we're, we here at Adventure are people who give generously. We're going to talk about that today, an example of someone that caught God's attention because of his generosity That's whose attention you want to catch when it comes to generosity, God's attention. Those are just a few, and and you're going to see how uh, these qualities in in our series uh, today made Adventure who we are today. Now, next month, I do want to give you a heads up. A couple fun things happening. Lauren and Rochelle Dittmore will be here on the 22nd. Darnisha will be leading worship. She's the, the worship pastor at Real Life Church, amazing church down the street. She'll be leading on the 8th. Guest speakers on the 8th will be Bryce Jessup, President Emeritus of William Jessup University. He's like the most energetic, healthy 80-something you've ever been around. Incredible man. And then at the end of the month, the pastor that hired me at Adventure of Roseville, Rick Stedman, will be here speaking. And I hope you get a chance to hear him. He is, I think, who he is what John MacArthur is to Southern California. He's the best expositor in Northern California. Amazing guy. And I look forward to having him here. Now, as I thought about planting uh, adventure years ago, I remember when Melissa and I were hearing God's voice, and it was a difficult time, not only on us, but specifically our marriage, because I'd kind of set Melissa up, hey, this is what we're going to do, we're going to have that Mayberry life experience. So we bought, we were in contract for two and a half acres in Penryn. You know where Penryn is? Newcastle, Loomis, yeah, isolated, safe, happy, Jim Boy's Tacos, Delora Football, Good living, right? Yeah, it was, that's where we were aimed to be. We had a piece of property that we were in contract for on English Colony. Very excited about building a 30-foot trailer on that property. And that's where we were going to do it. I'm not kidding. My idea of going to plant a church in Auburn, which kind of sounded silly. It felt like I'm just, I mean, I'd go to vacation in Auburn. I like Auburn. I thought, that's kind of silly to plant a church there. But Greg Denham's there. Why do I need to go there? But I thought it'd be cool. And then I thought, maybe West Roseville. Well, 
what worked out is we felt like God was leading us to Natomas. And we felt like that was the best stewardship of our life. And hearing God's voice was difficult because I promised my wife Mayberry. And she's like, this ain't Mayberry. And we felt God's lead here. And what it meant were three real humble experiences. One is we were without a home for a while. So we stayed in an extended stay. I like an extended stay for a couple days. We were there for over a month. It might have been two months, but I don't, I don't like to go there. It was long. Breakfast was good. They made your bed every day, but it wasn't worth it. And it was expensive. So we did that to get ready for this move here. And then when we moved here, we didn't have a place to start up. There was no buildings. And a lot of people have this misunderstanding in the Thomas. There's lots of buildings here. Why don't churches find buildings? Here's why. They require general assembly permits. You have to get permitted to be in a building. You don't just move in and start worshiping unless you're under about 30 people. Then you can. But once you get over 50, you need special permits. we got an architect here. He knows all this. So it's hard to find a building. It really is. One that you can, a lease that you can afford, which leases are no less than $10,000 a month. And when you're starting a church at, who's got 10 grand in their hand? Nobody. So it's, it's affordability. And then the other issue was, so what do you do? You go to schools and see if they'll lease to you. Well, here's the deal. They can say no. And that's what they said to us, Natomas Middle School. No, you can't lease from us. Like, how come? Because we don't want you here. All right. So we started services outdoors at Club Westlake. Yeah, I guarantee you they would not let us do that again. But this was back early in the day. Our first service was next to Mike Bibby's brother's house at, they didn't come to services, at Club Westlake on the grass in a tent. How many of you were there? Yeah, Beavers, they helped us start. Anybody else? Who was there? Max, good. Jackson, good answer. <laughs> Brothers. <laughs> yeah, uh, raise your hands again. Who was at the, the club? Okay, all right, just four? Four? Okay, all right, it's cool. Four. Wow, that's a long time ago. Anyways, and so when we had our first preview services, you kind of do a, a starter service, and then we did one in August and one in September, and we told folks, hey, we have another preview service next week, and next month, and then on the second Sunday of September, we said, hey, we start services next October. We hope to be across the street. We didn't know. And I met with the principal, the principal secretary, who has most authority on campus. Jeanette, her name was uh, Mrs. Pulley. And uh, I said, Mrs. Pulley, do you guys need a volunteer program here on campus? And she goes, would you like a cup of coffee? And I'm like, yes. And so what we did is we started a volunteer program on their campus. And that meant us doing crosswalk duty. Julie Harold was helping with uh, files, filing for them. And my job, along with, uh, I think it was Bob Maines, we did yard duty for Natomas Middle School. Let me tell you something. That'll wake you up in the morning. I mean, it was awesome. I was the yard duty guy. There are students that I know today that were there. In fact, uh, Jared, who sings for us sometimes, was a student at the middle school back then. And Jim Bogier's youngest son, I think it's Shay, uh, was also a student at that time. But here's the deal. God opened doors for us because we were willing to serve passionately. We were willing to serve people who might not ever benefit from adventure. And you'll see today that serving and giving, those opened God's heart. And uh, we waited 13 years, and uh, God gave us this building. And it's been a, a true gift for us. Hearing God's voice has been difficult. It's not easy. But it's changed. I think we've been a part of what God's doing in Natomas. And, and adventurers have been a part of doing what God's doing in Natomas. And honestly, it's changed. There's been a benefit to our family that we continue to enjoy this day. Uh, one of them is that my oldest son... I won't embarrass her anymore. So that's... So A.W. Tozer, who's a contemplative 
thinker and writer, some of you have maybe read some of his uh, works, says that life has two big questions. The first question is, what is God's will for my life? And the second one is, what if I miss God's will for my life? Those are going to, hearing God's voice, be equipped to do that. Maybe you can relate to the kind of noise that this mom is facing in trying to hear God's voice. Where a kind of anaconda strategy that Iran has. The signage there to direct them, you know, to proceed. Mm-hmm. Something has to be done because I can't have an event. know what to do about the job today? No, actually, I didn't. I don't know what the deal is. It's like God is trying to ignore me or something. just so busy. It's like, how do I hear God's voice? Is it even possible? Does he still speak today? I think so. Here's the challenge. We've got voices that we're trying to listen to. They're voices of insecurity. Hey, am I good enough? Those are voices that are in our head. Am I good enough? Do I, am I worthy to be a part of this group? Should I even be here? And I'm not talking to, about adventure, although you may feel that way, but maybe it's at your place of employment, at your school, in your relationships. Am I good enough? Those are voices that are in our head. Sometimes I struggle with that one. Uh, number two, the culture's voice of expectations. Do they approve of me? I mean, can I be myself? Or what about how the culture's going to respond? What about the, what about the values even at my place of employment? Can I be who I am, where I'm at? Thirdly, the enemy's voices. Jesus describes the, the devil who says, uh, our enemy's voice who says, did God really say that? Are you sure? Uh, that, that was written 2,000 years ago. You sure that applies today? Those kind of voices get in our head. And then the voice we want to hear is God's voice of truth and grace. Truth and grace. And that's, hey, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And you're going to hear today that obeying is way less fatiguing than delay. Obeying is way less fatiguing than delay. Because when we're thinking about obeying and we're mulling it over, should I do that, I'm going to do that, someday I'm going to do that, it's fatiguing, it drains you just thinking about it. You, you obey, the, the, the fatiguing is done with. And so what we're going to look at today is a history-changing voice that was heard by a first-century officer. He was a centurion that was a kind of, kind of early-ranked centurion, probably in his 20s or 30s. He probably got the position, Cornelius, that is, uh, because of his family ancestry, um, it, it wasn't, there's about five tiers of officers above him, five or more, but this guy had some responsibility and authority in Caesarea, which was a harbor town um, that hosted the Italian regiment that was responsible for the uh, security for the governor at that time in Israel. 
And this converged, this, this first voice that this non-religious person heard actually would change Western civilization. It's, this was the beginning of, of the Jesus message going to a non-Jew, a Gentile, who was despised by Jews, by the way. One of the things that Jews often said every day is, I thank thee, God, that I'm not a goy, a dog, or a Gentile. Not really nice. And this, this centurion, actually, God came to him. And he heard God's voice. And he opened his own gated community to the gated community of the Jews. That's what happened. Here's the story. When I get to the point that's in uh, turquoise, I'd like you to read it with me. At Caesarea, that's that beach town, there was a man named Cornelius, pretty common name, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment, bodyguard of the governor. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. Let's pause. They were devout and God-fearing. They were... um, they, they lived at a standard that rejected the, standard, the standards of the Roman Empire. They lived at a higher standard. Okay? And God-fearing, this is important because he comes from a, a polytheistic worship background. So he's making a decision as a middle officer that he's not going to worship Zeus and Athena and Diana. He's going to worship uniquely the God of Israel, one God which was a bold move, even in that era. He gave generously to those in need. God noticed this. God noticed his generosity. Why why be generous? Only for one reason. Because God sees it. It worships him. He's the only one that sees your generosity. That's true here as well. And he prayed, say it with me, and he prayed to God regularly. So this guy was a, he, 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 was gener- uh, he generously gave and he prayed constantly or regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. Now, three in the afternoon was a Jewish hour of prayer. That's when a, that's, that was the hour of the evening sacrifice for the Jew. That's why he's honoring it. He's in his own home, though, and he's praying at three o'clock. By the way, it helps you remember that. What will help you remember the Jewish hours of prayer of nine and three? At three, Jesus breathed his last. At nine, the cat of nine tails began, his judgment. Nine and three, those are the hours of sacrifice. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. Now, typically when you see an angel, it's a scary moment. It's not like, dude, I'm so good to see you. It's, It's awkward. It's scary. In most all the cases except one, Abraham and the two angels that came to visit him, uh, they're all scary moments. The angel answered, your, say it with me, prayers, your prayers. And it's not just to the poor. Now, he's, he's gifts to all the poor. It's not just the Jewish poor or the Gentile poor, to all the poor. Have come up as a memorial offering to God. Prayers and gifts, they go together. Join me. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who's called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is... Always fun to go to the coast, isn't it? So that's a gift. Go, go send for this guy. That's what he says to him. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called. In other words, he acted. He didn't wait around. Hey, was that an angel? Was that just me? Hey, honey, was that, was that just me? No, that's an angel. Get on it. Get to work. He called two of his servants and a devout soldier 
who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. He obeyed quickly. He didn't delay. He obeyed quickly. question I want to ask is, do you need to change what voice you're listening to? Let's do this one again. A little setup. Boom. Hey, I'm Paul. And I used to ask if you could hear me now with Verizon. Not anymore. I'm with Sprint now. Because guess what? It's 2016 and every network is great. In fact, Sprint's reliability is now within 1% of Verizon. And Sprint saves you 50% on most Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile rates. So I switched to Sprint. And millions more have too. Can you hear that? Yo, little mic drop commercial. He switched the voices he was listening to. Here's my question. Do you need to switch the voices you're listening to? Do you find yourself more tuned in to voices of insecurity, more tuned in to voices of our culture, more, t- more tuned in to the voices of the enemy? Did God really say that? Or more tuned in to God, who says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Whose voice are you listening to? This is a challenging thing for me as well. I want to make certain I'm listening to the voice of God, that I'm getting my confidence, my direction, my security, my direction from God, not any other voice. That's where, and I know that's happening when I'm experiencing peace and joy and grace and strength in my life. Those are some of the marks that will help assure that I'm going the right direction. So the question we want to answer today is how do we prepare to discern a life-changing voice? A life-changing voice. This is what happened to Cornelius, and it will happen to Peter as well. There's more than one character involved. We're going to focus on Cornelius, though. First is letting the Bible study me. All his family were devout and God-fearing. I told you a little bit about what that meant. They, left it, they lived at a higher standard. They didn't let the standard of their Roman world, culture, serve as the ceiling. That was more like the bottom. They let God's standard be their standard. And this man led his family to this standard. He modeled it personally. He taught it, and his children followed. That's not always a guarantee, but that's the ideal. And uh, he was a God-fearer, a monotheistic fearer. By the way, this is interesting. Back in that day, uh, Judaism was the only monotheistic religion on the planet. First century. Isn't that interesting? Okay. How do we do this? We read the Bible routinely. Read the Bible routinely. It's, and it's not just hearing me say, read the Bible this morning. It's going home and doing this. And reading the Bible. It's opening it. Some of you are like, eh, eh, you hadn't sold me on it. And some of you aren't sold on it because the first book you opened to was like uh, Numbers. You're like, eh. Or the first book you opened to was Leviticus 19 and 20. Or Revelation 20 and 21. You're like, ah! Right? Hey, start a little softer. Start reading the Psalms. They're beautiful prayers. Seriously, love them. Or the Proverbs. Or John. Or Mark. It's simple. But you, you let the Bible study you. And the, the pilgrims or the Puritans of our country's establishment used to teach that each and every day when you open the Bible, God has something in there for you personally on that day. Let it speak to you. Develop a routine. And we, I, I want to recommend an app. You can look it up right now. Uh, and that's um, version. 
YouVersion is such a great app. I use it every day. I love it because you can play the audio while you're getting ready or in your commute. Love it. We encourage adventurers to give Jesus the first 15 minutes of every day, five of praise music, five of thanks, and five of just listening or reading the Bible. Let the Bible speak to you. Let it be that which you download into your brain to get going uh, so that you have the self-control and love and power you need for each day. Read the Bible routinely. Secondly, exercise empathy. Part of preparing yourself to hear the life-changing voice of God is being one who exercises empathy. Here's a guy who was in a good salary job. Uh, Being a centurion earned him a good salary with long-term benefits, and yet he gave generously to those who were in need. He was, and God saw this. Boy, I got to tell you, if generosity can be a real sensitive thing for a lot of people, I'm aware of that. But I got to tell you, the person that is equally, you know, giving. (laughs) I don't want to talk about that. Because generosity implies that you have empathy for common man. Generosity implies that you believe that all men are created in the image of God, that all men are equal before God. And your willingness to give and help help lift someone up is an acknowledgement that you believe that what you have is from God who lifted you up. And so you're willing to give because you realize who really is in authority. He oversees 80 to 100 men, Cornelius that is. But he realizes who really is in control and in authority. Giving is an exercise of empathy that says, God, I realize all men are created equal in your image, and I will give generously because of how generous you've been with me. It really opens up the heart, and we call it empathy. Empathy is a good word because it means learning how what you do and what you say impacts a group of people. It's, it's relational intelligence. It's actually one of my weaknesses. Uh, it's something I've had to work on because sometimes I just say stuff without thinking. Do I have a friend out there? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, boom, that's what it is, and I... Could have said that better. Could have have delayed that a little bit. Might ought to have prayed before I sent that email. Might should have ran that one by Mrs. Matthews before I said that. So it's it's learning relational intelligence. It's, it's, It's being aware of the needs around you. This happened to me this week. I'm not kidding. I run with a group of athletes at Intercom every Wednesday night at 6. And uh, there's this one gal that came up to me this week. Her name is um, Jessica Bolton. She came up to me and she goes, hey, uh, are you a pastor? And I'm like, oh gosh, I've tried to hide this for so long. I've not told anybody this. They've asked and I'm like, eh, I don't want to talk about it. And she's, I said, you mean like those like bigoted, judgmental, unpleasant people? She goes, are you, she didn't answer that question. She goes, are you a pastor? I'm like, are you? I was being a smart butt. And she said, uh, are you a pastor? I said, she goes, I said, uh, and she goes, did you used to work at Adventure of Roseville? And I said, yes. She goes, uh, you baptized me. And I'm like, Phew. <laughs> I wasn't thinking that at all. She said, you did. Are you serious? She, she gave the details, and I actually remembered it. And I thought, you know, I'm so glad that, that I had been exercising some empathy for her. Three weeks prior, she had complained to our group that she was sick. She was having some health issues. And I just, on the side, I, didn't, I just prayed for her. 
I mean, I didn't say nothing. I just, on my own. You ever pray by yourself? You're like, just, hey, Lord, please help her with her health. And I told her that day, I said, hey, I've got to tell you, Jessica, it's kind of strange. I've been praying for you. And she goes, <gasps> and she got kind of, you know, that face, like kind of the ugly face, you're about to cry. And I was like, hey, hey, I've been praying for you. Here's my point. If you're praying for people and showing empathy towards them, do you think that just unlocks doors? That's what I'm talking about. It was really special. I gave her a big hug, Christian hug, and it was just a special moment for us. And I just wonder if, if you grow in empathy towards others, what would happen in your home, at work, uh, in your neighborhood, just growing in empathy? Empathy is something, by the way, according to Patrick Lencioni in his book, Ideal Team Member, it's really a real high requirement for people at work. It's, it's an area, actually, though, that you're capable of growing in. You just, the problem with people that aren't empathetic is that they don't know they're not empathetic. So they need to be treated kind of like a pet, not to be condescending, but I, I'm a pet. And you have to, like, kind of, as soon as they show a lack of empathy, if, you're, if you have someone that knows it, you got to tell them, hey, stop that. You, you can say that better. You don't have to come off that way. Be more gentle. Be more sensitive. All right, let's move on. If you guys can deal with that at lunch, if that's something you're going to. So what is, what is God looking for? Two things. That we're generous with our giving. Okay? And that's between you and God, what's generous. Okay? You just want to, whatever you do, you want to make certain you do it with joy. And I want to add one more. These are both descriptive of adventurers. Give generously and serve passionately. People who call adventure their home fall in those categories. They're generous givers and they're passionate servers. We have people here that work 40 or 50 or 60 hours a week and then work another 10 or 15 here. And you might, you might feel sorry for them and think, oh gosh, what a pitiful life. No, you don't realize these people are what I would consider high-capacity people. What makes them high-capacity? I wonder. Is it their natural giftedness? They're, they were raised on a farm? Some of that's true, actually. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. They come from a heritage of hard work when you're a teen, and it, it adds up. But you know what I think it is? I ask, let's go. That kind of attitude at work will show itself here at church. Guarantee. So let me just tell you, if, if you haven't found a spot to serve, find it to an hour a year. Start somewhere, and you might be exhausted just hearing me say that. Make a commitment to an hour a year. <laughs> start small, okay? But start. <laughs> Because work ethic is important, not just Monday through Saturday. It's important here. God sees it. You want him to bless you. Exercise empathy. Here's an opportunity. Next Saturday, City of Refuge, South Sac, partnering with Lauren and Rochelle Bitmore. We're going to serve there. Might be a good start for you. Go out to the lobby on your way out. You can sign up for that. Should be a lot of fun. Thirdly, again, we're answering the question, how do I... How do I Ready myself, prepare myself to discern God's life-changing voice. Thirdly, let prayer form my perspective. He prayed to God regularly. He was regular in his prayers. And I already told you that the two hours of prayer for the Jew paralleled their sacrifice, their daily sacrifices, one at nine, one at three o'clock, morning and three. Remember, Jesus, his Crucifixion started at 9. His last breath was at 3. There's something about 9 and 3. Whenever you see it on your clock, 9 and 3, it's significant. Uh, and this, this centurion was praying for, was met by God when he was praying at 3. 
I'm not saying you have to pray at three. Don't, don't take that as a, as a law. I'm just saying he was routine about his prayer. And he, he wasn't just sitting around with his, with his PS2 or three or four. What, what do we call those? He, he was working, but he paused because he knew where his authority was. He got under it and he prayed. How do you do this? You pray constantly. You make prayer part of your life. You're always asking, God, lead me. Give me the right words, Lord. Give me not the words I don't need to say. Help me not talk if I don't need to talk. God, help me send this email or this text or not send it. Help me wait a day or in this case, a month before I send that one. God, lead me to the right relationship and or gosh, protect me from the wrong one. Help me see it. Protect me from the wrong business deal. Help me say no to, the, to a business deal. That Help me present every business deal before you so I don't waste thousands of dollars and lots of time. God, help me. Help me not quit early. In a marriage, in a family, at a job, help me put my faith in you more than my circumstances. That kind of language. All that will help you. Now, while Cornelius is praying simultaneously, Uh, The next day, Peter's praying about noon the following day as they were on their journey. They references Cornelius and his family. Cornelius and his workers were on their journey to go get Peter. Peter went on the roof to pray. Now, this is the lunch hour, and he's out praying. And uh, maybe fasting that day, I don't know. And God approaches Peter, and God says, Peter, you need to open your eyes. I'm about to change something here. The ceremonial laws that you've been holding tight to for so long... They're done with. You need to welcome this Gentile. You need to get out of your gated community and welcome and go to this other gated community. You need to open up. And that's what, that's what happened. This story reminds me of Cat Halverson. Is Cat here today? Where are you, Cat? Cat and Daniel, are they here today? Okay, I'm not trying to call them out. Don't, if you see them this week, don't say, hey, where were you Sunday? The pastor called on you. <laughs> don't do that. But they gave me permission to share this story. Here it is. As, I, as it turned out, I had absolutely nothing to worry about with my upcoming surgery because I had friends in my life. I've been fortunate enough to become part of the adventure community because Dan Dice and James Maine, who at the time were my bus buddies, okay? Now, James is in here. Throw your hand up, James, so we can make this real to life. Bus buddy James. They were bold, and they invited me to adventure. James and I met, on, met at the bus stop around the corner from our homes. We greeted each other the first day and have been friends ever since. I've known James when Tamara was working outside the home and before kids. And he, and, his, and, and he has heard stories about my family, work, and single life. His family has taken care of my cat when I was on vacation. That's commitment. And I have given them a ride to the airport. That's cool. In other words, we have been a support for each other. Their relationship has, the relationship has deepened because James and Dan stayed connected, listened, and encouraged me to come to adventure, even when I continued to explain and resist saying things like, you know, I was raised Catholic. And uh, I can't quote the Bible. Hey, not few, few of us can here either. And I haven't been to church in a long time. Okay? This went on for a two-year period. Finally, I came home. I came one Sunday, and I was amazed at how welcoming everyone was and how many folks I already knew, including David Jones, who is a, was a co-worker friend. I miss my daily rides with my bus buddies, but God had a new plan for me. During my next six weeks of foot and knee surgery, 
rather foot and knee recovery, I prayed, meditated, and truly turned my heart and desire to have a Christian partner I could do life with over to God. Two weeks later, while on crutches, God put that man, Daniel Salvania, in my life, and we have been together ever since. Dan, Dan Dice and James Maine brought Jesus hope to Kathleen Halverson. Hey, folks, that's our mission, bringing Jesus hope. How do you do this? You pray for people. God opens up doors when you pray. Pray, pray, pray. How do we do this? You pray constantly. You establish a routine. Just make this. Drop to your knees. Take a time out during the drive through during your commute, although keep your eyes open. Take a moment and talk to the Lord and just have a conversation to hear that life. Fourthly, how do we discern and prepare to hear that life changing voice. That's the question I'm answering. And we learn a little bit more here from Cornelius. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. Had happened and sent them to Joppa. Follow willingly. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Here's an example of another text, an example of obeying quickly. Cornelius obeyed quickly, just like Abraham. Remember when Abraham was tested? Abraham was told, hey, the scripture says God tested Abraham and said, you're going to take your son and you're going to sacrifice him. Now, that's another gory story for another day. I can't talk about that today. But Abraham obeyed. It says that he said to him, Abraham said, here I am, kind of like Samuel last week. Here I am. Samuel said, here, I, here am I. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey to do what God had asked him. Now, he believed that God could resurrect the dead. That gave him a little faith in the whole matter. How do you obey quickly? Here, you obey quickly, letting God deal with the fallout. Sometimes we don't obey because we're afraid other people's feelings are going to get hurt. Or how's this going to impact others? Hey, this is the moment where you love God first, and you let him deal gently with the others. You obey. And I wonder if there's an act of obedience that the Holy Spirit's waiting for in your life. I wonder if for you, we're going we're gonna to be doing what Cornelius did. You're going to see in this narrative, after he heard this message, he and all his family were baptized on the spot. I wonder if that's an act of obedience you've put off. Maybe you'll be ready to consider. We'll provide a towel. Maybe that's your act of obedience. Maybe there's something else you've been delaying. And, and here's the deal. Obeying God is always less fatiguing than delay. You just obey him, the stress is gone. You don't have to think about it anymore. It's awesome. What is it God's asking of you? What does he want of you? I think the biggest concern we have is what if I miss God's will for my life? What if I missed it? What if uh, here I am, um, I'm in my 70s, I'm in my 50s, I'm in my 40s, I miss something. Can I get back on track? I mean, really? You may look up at me and say, oh, yeah, yeah, Pastor Scott, you got everything together. Really? Do I? <laughs> Ask my wife. she give you a little, eh-eh, little, eh, not always. <laughs> what if I feel like I missed out? How do I make an adjustment? Is it possible to make an adjustment? Here's a few examples I think that work. How about this, Abraham, Abraham and Sarah, hopeless of ever having a son, getting older, 
They had their driver's license taken from them in about 2500 B.C., getting older. And Abraham says, Sarah says, hey, how about you just sleep with my maidservant? Let's have a baby that way. Abraham's like, I don't know what his deal was. He's like, all right, that sounds smart. <laughs> what, what did that do to their dining room table commitment, their dinners? I think it probably changed the dynamic a little bit. Thus was born Ishmael to Hagar and the beginning division of Judaism and, and what would become Islam. Drunk and exposed, Noah. Big accomplishment, built the ark, survived it with his family, all, the, all life survived, and he grew his first vineyard, little, uh, little uh, burgundy vineyard, and drank too much and exposed himself in front of all of his family. Totally embarrassing. God still, he still made the hall of faith. How about wrong relationships? I got in a wrong relationship. I never should have been in that relationship. I don't know how I fell into that. I wasn't thinking. I wasn't listening to anybody around me. I didn't want to hear from him. You know who that is? That's King David. Oh, King David went the extra mile, though. He killed the guy that she was married to. I'm not, don't go home and say, oh, yeah, that, I heard that part of the message today. No, the point is, is that you can really mess up and still stay very close to God's plan. Isn't that awesome? Or how about this one? He denied that he even knew Jesus, even though he'd been with him for three and a half years. In front of a bunch of college-age sorority girls, they said, hey, aren't you with Jesus? He's like, I don't even know him. And then he started dropping some cussing bombs, thinking that would kind of, you know, make a little more impact. This is Peter. And then after the, re- did you hear that voice? After the resurrection... He was one of the first, he was the first guy Jesus went to, Peter. And then Peter, even in his probably 40s or 50s, started marginalizing Gentiles because he was afraid of the Jews. God still had a plan for him. Here's the question. How do we prepare to discern a life-changing voice? Here's what we're saying. Read your Bible routinely. Let it speak to you. Be disciplined about it. You'll hear from God. Give generously and serve passionately. Make that a part of your life, even though it makes you want to scream. Thirdly, pray constantly. Pray constantly. Make it a part of your life all the time. You'll hear from them. And then lastly, follow willingly. How come? Because obeying is a whole lot less fatiguing than delay. Make a commitment to obey where God's asking you to obey and to help lighten your stress. Ignore the stuff he's not. Just focus on what he wants you to do. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for showing us how you speak this whole month. And you speak to us when we're listening to your word. Help us be routine about our time in the Bible.